Now, I know it's been said before, but I feel like this sport is moving at a breakneck speed. Since the last episode, the long-standing Canadian marathon record fell. Congratulations, Cam Levins. Both Canadian marathon championships were taken by two debutantes. Plus, there's about a thousand other notable storylines from the Scotia-Toronto Waterfront Marathon. But also since the last time we spoke, one of the greatest Canadian mid-distance runners ever retired from the sport. On this week's show, we chat with 1,500-meter specialist Nicole Sofuentes, hanging up the spikes after an illustrious career that saw her medal at the World Indoor Champs, Pan Am Games Continental Cup, winning a couple of national championships, and garnering a national record. But first, Kinsey Middleton. At just 25 years old, she ran her debut marathon at the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon last weekend, running 2.32.09, capturing the Canadian National Championship along the way. We'll also hear from some of Nicole's teammates. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Instagram and Twitter, a Tracky Radio production. When Kinsey Middleton crossed the finish line at the Toronto Waterfront Marathon, not only did she become the Canadian champion, she also became one to seriously watch going forward, finishing her debut race so strongly and being able to decorate it an experienced field. We talked with Kinsey earlier this week. Okay, so you, you know, it, it's it's been fairly widely reported now, uh, and in fact, you actually wrote a piece on it on iRun, I believe. Um, but Leslie Sexton mentioned at the end of the Scotia Toronto Waterfront Marathon press conference that around fifteen sixteen k, you enthusiastically said something like, "You know, I, I love this. You know, I, I'm loving this." Was there a point in the marathon where you said? Oh, well, maybe not so much. (laughs) Yeah, I think I said, this is so much fun, (laughs) very loudly. Um, But definitely, like, the marathon kind of ebbs and flows. Like, it's such a long race that you go through periods where you're not feeling great for, like, a K or two. But then you feel good again. And any time that I started to not feel very good, I tried to trick myself and be like, oh, but your bottle's coming up. Just as soon as you get to your bottle, you're going to feel really good again. And um, and I kind of just kept that mentality. And so I never hit like a point where I was like so like hurting so bad that I was like, oh, I'm not going to finish or anything like that. So I was really lucky in that regard. But definitely still I still had to be like mentally tough, even though I was trying to be positive and have fun as well. I mean, it was such a such a solid debut from you. I mean, like you you just looked so strong throughout it all. I'm wondering, you know, like what what were the what were the key workouts? What were you doing to make sure that a mentally and b physically you were prepared, uh, you know, for your debut marathon? Yeah, I'd have to thank my coach Cameron Ulmer, the like for preparing me so amazingly for this race. He um, has a really vast knowledge of the marathon. And, um, he's actually run, uh, two in the two twenties for marathon too, uh, like low two twenties. And so he really knows like what it takes to be really good at the marathon. And I obviously had no idea going into it. And so it was all new workouts, uh, more mileage than I've ever done before. But, uh, most of the workouts were just long sustained efforts at marathon pace. I think the biggest one I did was seven by five K at um, marathon pace and after that I was pretty um confident that the the time goal that we had said between ourselves uh that that was going to be possible or within reach I guess wow seven by five how are you feeling (laughs) by the end of that like you must have felt like you could you know run through a wall at that pace yeah you know the thing that was so fun about that workout was we had a whole bunch of just random community um, boys come out and help pace me for it. And so I had like different guys jumping in and out. And so each one had like a different group of people. And I was just like so thankful that people wanted to come out and like help my workout and stuff that I just, that was just another time where I was just so enjoying it that I was like, Oh, if the marathon's anything like this, I'm going to have so much fun. (laughs) Wow, that sounds like that sounds like quite the community, and you know, it, it almost seems like uh, kind of an appropriate time to ask because 
I think that your story is one that probably confuses a few people, but is very interesting yeah. as well. I mean, if you look at your Wikipedia page, it says that you were born in Guelph. Uh, you're living in Boise right now, um, I believe, but your provincial federation is actually the BC Federation. So, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe we can we can clear some things up here. Uh, you know, like what what's your connection and uh, and that sort of stuff. Definitely. Yeah. I didn't even know I had a Wikipedia page. Um, so I was actually born in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Um, and my mom is Canadian. And so her whole family is from Guelph and actually Toronto, but the family that's from Toronto just moved to Nova Scotia. So, um, they're a little bit further East now, but, um, they, so I'm all Canadian on her side and then my dad's American. And so they met in the States. And as soon as I was born, my grandma really wanted me to have dual citizenship. And so, um, that was her like birth present to my mom. And so from, since I was born, I've had a uh, dual citizenship. And when I started running and everything, I knew that I'd have the option to run either for Canada or the U S. And so, I um, chose Canada and it was really cool to be able to have a choice and just to be able to represent that side of my family is something that I was really like proud to do, but it's definitely unconventional. But uh, the reason that BC is my provincial um, team in terms of Athletic Canada is just because it's the closest in proximity to Boise. And so I figured if I needed to travel up for provincial uh, championships or anything like that, that that would be the um, nearest geographically to head up to. Well, it's it's pretty clear to me that you uh, you have some friends in in British Columbia. One of them actually helped you out quite a bit. A uh, good friend yeah. of the show, Natasha Wodak. Uh, she was helping you out for for that first half. How did you arrange that? I mean, like how? I mean, like did you have to email her and say, "Hey, I have this idea." Like, tell tell me how you got her to the line. Yeah, Natasha Wodak is so amazing. She's actually, like, taken me under her wing ever since I um, declared that I was going to start running for Canada um, and has kind of, like, shown me the ropes and everything, and she's been just so incredibly supportive. I, like, can't thank her enough. But um, we had been talking about the marathon for a really long time, and she just would always check in and see how my training was going. And so just on one of those days where she was checking in, she um, asked me if I had anybody that was going to be pacing me because originally my coach Cameron was thinking about maybe coming up and pacing since um, it was uh, men and women starting together in the marathon. And um, I was like, oh, no, Cameron can't anymore, but I'm still going to be super excited. And she was like, well, I'm thinking about coming and racing the half up there. Um, she was like, so I could just pace you cause she needed more points in the Canadian running series. Um, and so she was like, I can just do the half as a workout, get a couple of points for the uh, series and help you out along the way. And I was like, that is such an incredibly generous offer. Are you sure? <laughs> and, um, she was like, yeah, oh yeah, I have miles to use on the airlines and so I'll just come out and, and help you out and boy did she help out she is just so phenomenal and I I couldn't be more thankful that she did that she's so selfless like especially since we didn't have that pacer that we were supposed to have yeah tell, tell me about that I mean like it was mentioned during the press conference and stuff but uh I understand that that you and Leslie were um, Leslie Sexton were supposed to have some sort of pacer, but um, you know I jogged around the course quite a bit from from place to place, and I didn't really see you with any pacer except for Natasha. Yeah, so Leslie and I had talked before uh, the night before the marathon that we both kind of had a goal of two thirty two, so we agreed to work together, and then at the technical meeting, um, they had. They told us that they had flown in um, this African named Gilbert to be our pacer. Um, and so we were like, oh, awesome. He's going to take us through at least like 35K. And so that'll be so incredibly helpful, especially when Natasha veers off for the half marathon finish at 20K. Um, and that was kind of what all the big groups that were chasing um, certain times or the lead 
Canadian men like Cam had a couple of pacers that were supposed to go through 35 or 40K. So that was kind of um, the benchmark for where they were supposed to go through. And so we knew we'd have two people out in front of us for the majority of the race, which we were really excited about. But then the race started and we couldn't find him anywhere. Um, And so we actually started talking amongst the three of us, me, Natasha, and Leslie, during the race. We're like, where is he? And then Natasha called out to the lead biker uh, next to us and asked if they would go look for him. And so the lead bike woman was so nice and she took off to find him and found him with the 235 group. She was like, he's sprinting up to you guys now. Might be a little bit, <laughs> like cover, cover some ground. Um, so he sprinted up and caught us at about 19K right before Natasha was done. And um, and then I think he was just so tired from like making that huge move that he actually dropped out at like 23K about. Hmm. Um, so poor guy, I was probably pretty exhausted. Um, and so then it was just me and Leslie for a bit. Uh, which would have been nice, especially on the wind, to have him, to have had him there. But that's okay. Yeah, I mean, how how was that when there was, you know, there was a lot of talk going into the race that it might be an issue along the lakeshore because there isn't a whole lot of shelter down there. Um, however, you know, like, I don't think it was as strong as they said it was going to be, but how did it, how did it affect your race? I didn't notice the wind until about the last 10K, and then it felt, like, very windy. Like, I was running right into and that could have also been that just the cumulative fatigue of a marathon. But um, it definitely hit me about 10K to go. I was like, oh, this wind is brutal. Um, and I felt like I was kind of hunching over to get into uh, into it a little bit more. But other than that, I didn't feel it along the lake shore that much and so it definitely it could have been so much worse like we were really lucky with the conditions i'd say they were like a near perfect day maybe just a little on the chilly side a little on the windy side but you really you can't complain that much at all you know there there's this point in the race um i remember getting back to the hotel where they had the where they had the stream on uh i just come off the off the course in time to catch you pulling away from from leslie um you know the commentators. I don't know if you've watched back the race yet, but the the commenta- commentators were pretty skeptical uh, of that move to pull away from from Leslie. Leslie being, uh, you know, a real veteran of of the distance at, at this point. Um, you know, there there was that lack of belief from from you know some some people who who may not know yourself or, or your training or something like that. How did you feel pulling away at that point from Leslie? You know, is that something that you had discussed with her or, you know, like where, where was your head at, at that point? Um, I honestly thought that Leslie and I were going to battle to the finish because her goal was very similar to mine in running 232. And so I thought that she was going to be there um, almost the whole way. But I think in the press conference, she said that she was having some asthma issues around that time. But um, I didn't know that until after the race. And so when I, the first sense that I had that she wasn't right next to me, um, the competitor in me was like, oh, you've got to uh, like just go get after it at this point and make a move. And, um, and so I, I surged at that point. And, I mean, looking back, it was like very early to, to make a move in a marathon. Hmm. I think my uh, my coach had said, don't make a move until 35K. And so it was almost 10K before that that I, that I went for it. And so it definitely was a long time in no man's land after. But um, at that, the really cool part about the, making the move from then on was that once I was on my own, that was the first time that the community started cheering for me because – at the beginning, they were all cheering for Natasha because she's the biggest name, you know, that was between the three of us. And then after she finished the half, uh, the locals were cheering for Leslie because she's a name that everyone knows since she won last year. And so then when it was just me and actually hearing my name cheered, it really helped propel me forward and make it across that finish. 
it was such a such an interesting finish to the race. Um, you know, again, you you look so strong throughout the the back half of that race. I'm wondering you know, being that it was your first one, was it your plan to be a little more conservative on this one? Or do you feel like you put it all out there in, in that race? I definitely wanted to be conservative my first marathon. My coach and I had talked extensively about just making a plan so that it goes well, having a good experience your first one. And so that was kind of why I never, I didn't put any time goals out to the um to anybody but like myself before the race because I wanted to just like run the race that I knew I was ready to run and then talk about the time and everything after. But um, we definitely ran the race with the goal of it not being the best marathon I ever do. You know, just an amazing starting point and then just had so much more room to grow because you enjoyed the experience and just are excited for the possibilities to come because there is that potential to get better so then the question needs to be asked i mean if you're going to be chasing (laughs) another marathon is you know is is toronto in the playbook for for next year or you know are you looking at at something like like a rotterdam or or like a berlin or something yeah i have no idea which i want to do next year i definitely think it'll be a fall marathon um but there's so many amazing opportunities like even I mean, it is a world championship year. I know Doha uh, is going to be started at midnight, so that would be a little, <laughs> a little uh, late. But um, I am not sure yet. I would. Lo- There's so many marathons on my bucket list to do now, and I, I truly do feel like I found my distance in the sport. Um, and so there's just so many I want to try, but I think it'd be so fun to go race a Berlin or a Frankfurt or something like that. But I don't know. Stay tuned. <laughs> you know, following along with your with your social media, which you are, uh, you know, more more than free to throw it um, uh, if you so choose to do so. But uh, I saw that you you met up with at least one other Canadian marathoner who's uh, who's had an excellent year. Uh, you know, were you able to touch dis- or touch base with a, with a lot of different Canadian runners, and and what were some some gems that they passed along to you? Oh yeah, so uh, Lindsay Tessier. Um, she has been so amazing. She's, uh, one of Natasha's very best friends. And so the two of them took me out after to celebrate and also gave me very, very, um, amazing words of wisdom before the race that I'm so thankful for. Um, and then also Krista was so incredibly, um, helpful before the race, just giving me, um, tips on, like when it kind of gets serious among the competitors and um, all of these things that I was just very, I was all ears. I was so willing to learn anything that anybody had to tell me. And then I was just so excited to be around so many like talented women too. So it was awesome. You know, it's, it's been, you know, not, not just this past race, but it's been such, such a great year for you. I mean, like you started off the year um, in Houston uh, qualifying for the for the world half marathon championships uh, with with an excellent time there I believe it was oh one one twelve and a half um, or, or something like that uh, you also set you know a 10,000 meter PB uh, 10k on the road PB you know it's it's really been just a year of PBs for you uh, or you know successful debuts what What's been the difference this year? I mean, like even looking back at 2017, you had some really great times there as well, too. How, you know, like what what switched for you? What changed for you? Well, this year, um, I this year was the first time that I started training with Emma. And um, I really, really love the dynamic that we've been able to build together. It's the first um, team teamwork that I've ever been a part of that's so selfless like we are just so unbelievably excited for each other's success and I think that that's so important you have to in order for people to get better together they have to want the other person to succeed and so the fact that we've both been able to want that for each other has been really huge and like I look forward to every single workout that we get to do and um and then with the marathon, like just doing something that was 
so unknown and doing more mileage than I've ever done, which I had so much fun doing because I love to run. And so the more I get to do, the better. Um, but then earlier in the year, it was just, I think, I, I like to think of myself as a type of athlete that hasn't reached like full potential yet. And so I want to get better every single year. And, you know, I wasn't like a huge phenom in college. Like I had a, a decent college career, but uh, I definitely want to keep getting better every single year. And so to be able to have done that these past years, it's just such a, uh, I'm so fortunate and I hope to continue it with the right smart training approaches and just enjoying it. Well, you know, anyone who's taken a look at your IAAF page uh, will know that you actually have some some pretty serious, um, you know, mid-distance credentials as well. <laughs> uh, you know, there's like a 906-3000, you know, there's a 415-1500, you know, all great times, a 1552-5000. Uh, um, that's interesting because our other guest on the on the show this week is, is Nicole Sefuentes, who um, announced her retirement last week. And yeah. we're, we're kind of giving her a, a send off this week. I'm wondering, did you have any experiences, you know, meeting her or, you know, was there any races of hers that, that you watched that, uh, that really did something for you? I've watched so many of her races, but I've actually never got to meet her in real life. But, um, I think she's had an incredible year out or career. And I was shocked that she's retiring already. Um, uh, because I, I mean, she had another great year this year too, and I was hoping to meet her uh, last summer when I traveled to um, Europe with a group of the next gen, the Canadian next gen group, um, because we we had kind of traveled throughout Europe and did some 1500s and 3Ks, and that was where those uh, PBs came from. But um, I was kind of hoping to see that those top tier 1500 meter uh, runners when I was over there. But I think I may have crossed paths with her at nationals on the track a couple years ago to, or just seeing her race and that was awesome too but she's there's I don't think I could pick one of her races because she's had so many good ones she's like just so consistent it's it's incredible that's a career to model yourself after I, yeah, I would totally agree. And, um, you know, having seen seen quite a few of her races myself, something that just strikes me is someone who has, you know, such intense um, I don't know another word for it, but you know, racing smarts, someone who yeah. knows where they are on the track and, and how to capitalize, uh, you know, on their positioning and, and stuff like that. I think, I think that there is probably a lot to learn from, from racers like her. I think. I agree. I think that she's so smart in positioning herself and especially at that distance, it's so important to know where everyone is around you and then to position yourself so that you can use your expertise with like her kick and everything. Like she knows exactly when to execute that. And that's why she's gotten as good as she has. So it's been really fun to watch. I'm sad that we won't get to, you know, be on a future world team together. So onto a little bit of a, of a harder question. Um, I think a few people noticed, uh, you know, track and field people noticed anyways, that when you crossed the line, you weren't wearing any sponsored kits, which is kind of unusual for someone who is, you know, made national teams and is the, the national champion uh, at a very, very popular distance. Um, can you, you know, shed some light on that? Have you had anyone reach out since or, you know, like, you know, are, are you a free agent? Are people, uh, you know, able to approach you with any sort of deals right now? Yes, I am a free agent and currently welcoming any and all reach outs. <laughs> um, yeah, I am at the moment not sponsored and um, or looking for just a new opportunity in 2019 to really see what I can make of myself and partner with a company that believes in me and believes that there's a lot more left that I can run in the marathon and in the 10k too I really want to race some uh, faster stuff but yeah I really think that there's a lot of potential so I would love to partner with a company that agrees with that definitely definitely well you know it's uh it's been a blast to have you on on the show um i really appreciate it and you know congratulations on such a, a very successful debut and hopefully we we see you know more and some faster times uh you know in the in the years ahead yes definitely yeah i'm so excited <laughs> 
When we heard that Nicole Cervantes was retiring, we reached out to 2017 NCAA 1500 meter champion and fellow Michigan alum and teammate Jamie Phelan to get her reaction. Now, she took that message and she passed it along to some of her True Blue teammates, and they happily sent along some memories and stories that they shared with Nicole. This time around, we'll hear from two Jamies, Jamie Phelan, as well as Jamie Morrissey, a mid-distance runner you can expect to make a lot of noise in the coming years. Hey, this is Jamie Phelan. Uh, I just want to start off by saying thank you to Nicole for always pushing me to be the best that I can be and for encouraging all of us on the team at University of Michigan and thank you for for showing us what it looks like to be the best of the best. You know, Nicole was and is one of the best middle distance runners in the world and we were truly and are truly grateful to to have her as not only a coach but a mentor and a role model and for me most recently a teammate going into our True Blue Elite group. Um, she has taught me so much about this sport and so much about, you know, myself as a person and as an athlete. Um, I remember meeting her when I committed to University of Michigan and seeing the passion and energy that she had about this sport and how knowledgeable she was about this sport. Um, you know, it, I instantly looked up to her as a role model and um, I always will, always will look up to her. Um, you know, I, I keep thinking about this, you know, the Big Ten race in our cross-country Big Tens in 2016, I believe, and we were battling for the title, and you can just see Nicole in the last K. Um, she was at the top of the hill, and she would she would be pointing at these Michigan State girls, saying, "You catch these last two girls, catch these next three girls," um, and you could you could hear that passion and that drive that she had in her voice, and it, it made you want to dig deep. It made you want to give everything that you had, um, because you know that if she was in that race, she would be giving everything that she had out on that race, out on that course, and. Um, you know, I think, I think I saw her at least 10 times within that last K. Um, she was just running from spot to spot to, to try and make her as visible as possible, um, to help us as a, as a team. And, you know, that's just one example of how, how great she was and unbelievable she was as, as a leader and as a, a role model and a coach for us. Um, and, you know, when we finished those races, especially those bigger ones, she was one of the first people to to always be there with her arms wide open, um, giving all of us big hugs, and usually for those bigger ones, had tears. Um, and I know for another big race at NCAA's, she was one of the first people that I called afterwards to um, to talk to, and you know, being hearing hearing her those supporting words and hearing her talk after after that big race, it was you know credited. I credited a lot to to her. Um, where looking at her running career, and it's just something that I've I've always strived to to live up to what she's accomplished. Um, so I just you know congratulations Nicole on an unbelievable running career, um, and and thank you so much for everything that you've done for for me and and everyone at, at Michigan um, and in Canada. Honestly, you've been a, a huge role model to I know a lot of a lot of young female athletes and runners in Canada. Um, so thank you again and, and congrats. Nicole has had an immense impact on my career while at Michigan and beyond. I can't thank her enough for everything she's done for me as an athlete and as a person. She's been a true role model for the team at Michigan ever since she started True Blue Elite and built up this incredible training group around her and it all comes from her passion and professionalism for the sport. Nicole began assistant coaching for the women's cross-country team at Michigan in 2016, which, um, if you know anything about that season for us, um, was debatably one of our best years in program history. Uh, We were national runners-up at NCAAs by a point, and we won our first Big Ten title since 2012. So it was a really special year for us, and I don't think it was a coincidence that we did so well the same year that Nicole and... Also, Amanda Eccleston started assistant coaching us. Um, I don't think people realize the importance of having female coaches on staff. I mean, we could go to Nicole and Amanda for anything at all, and they would talk us through whatever we were struggling with. And also, it helps that they're super fast, because on race day, we could count on them screaming splits in places and team positions at least two or three times per K. So they were all over the course, giving us all the information we needed at all times. 
Um, some of my most cherished memories from Michigan involve Nicole. Um, I will never forget at NCA Cross in 2016 how loud she was yelling at us during the race. I remember with about 400 meters to go, um, she was running alongside me, screaming at me. She said, catch 10 girls and we'll win a national title. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, that's 100% not true because I knew that I was our team's sixth runner, but like, (laughs) and I wasn't in scoring position, but it didn't matter to her at all. And for me at the time, that's what I needed. That's the motivation that I needed to like have my final kick and she didn't she didn't care that I wasn't in scoring position. She just wanted to see every one of her athletes compete to the best of their abilities. Um, and then, so after we finished, uh, we all gathered as a team <laughs> waiting to find out the team score. Um, we knew we were in the running for the title um, because of the way that Amanda and Nicole and Mike were all like screaming at us the whole race. Um, but we didn't know really how close it would be. Um, and so we all kind of gathered together and we started to walk out of the finishing shoot as a team. And there's like a huge pack of spectators. Like it's really tough to even get through all of them. And right in the middle of them, we see Nicole in the middle, just jumping up and down, waving her arms back and forth. So we like all make our way over there. And as like we get closer in proximity to her, we realize that she's just bawling her eyes out (laughs) and we didn't know what it meant but we knew it was good it was a good cry and so we all just embraced her and started crying ourselves um so yeah that's definitely a really special moment that I will never forget with Nicole and honestly like when I think of the word proud in my head I will always picture Nicole's face after that race it was so so special to have have her there and share that with her um another memory that was kind of similar um that I'll cherish forever uh with Nicole was after I won uh the 2018 800 meter big 10 title um she was right there right after I finished in the call tent waiting with open arms with that same look on her face that just so proud she could cry and um she was there with open arms and I just embraced her and she said welcome to the club meaning the Big Ten Champion Club and needless to say we just started bawling again (laughs) um but uh not every memory with Nicole was waterworks um most of them were actually very professional and to the point um every day at practice um Nicole would always speak her mind if you were having a bad workout she would tell you that you need to adjust the pace or if you uh had an awesome time trial she'd be the first to say heck yeah lady or yeah just she's awesome at practice you can always count on her to um give give you exactly what you need to hear um she was always that backbone of of our coaching staff that she would never shy away from the truth and she would give it to you just how it is, which I I really respect and appreciate that from her. Um, My uh, 600 meter PR is actually still from a time trial and practice that she paced us at. I was a freshman and um, I was in the 800 meter training group and uh, I was running with like two 205 girls and at the time I had only run 209 and I was so nervous for this time trial and um, Nicole was pacing us and we did one by 600 meters at it was supposed to be at 131 high and we ended up running 130 like 0.5 or 6 which is like still my PR and um, I remember as I was starting feeling so calm and relaxed because she had done another 608 minutes prior to that at 136. And I was thinking like, oh my gosh, this this girl is so incredible. She's such an amazing athlete. Like she can run 136, no problem. And just short eight minutes recovery, she can come back and run a 131. Like if she can do two of those, like I can definitely do one. And yeah, I've always looked up to Nicole um, because of her workout mentality. 
Um, so Nicole has also helped me immensely in my transition to the professional running world. Um, she's answered every little question I had about sponsors, agents, meet directors, and just about everything else. Um, she is the best training partner because she's always so spot on with pacing, like I said before. Um, and she's not afraid to like speak her mind. She will say at the beginning of the workout, like, oh, my legs feel like crap. But then all of a sudden she's whipping out these crazy fast splits. And it's just uh, how Nicole operates. She's not afraid to to make it hurt and to grind. Um, but Nicole was always so, so fun and inspiring to watch, to race. Um, because you knew that when she was towing the line, she would always give everything she had every single time she wasn't afraid to lead um and she ran with so much courage and conviction it was it was really really special to watch nicole toe the line every single time um but yeah because of all of this nicole will always be the kind of athlete i aspire to be as i'm beginning my career as a professional runner um, and we'll, we will miss Nicole so much in the racing circuit, but we won't have to miss her too much because she will forever be the backbone of True Blue Elite. Nicole Cervantes was quietly one of the best mid-distance runners in Canadian history. Full stop. A consistent cerebral performer, she racked up a couple of national championships, a world indoor bronze, a Pan Am silver, and two spots on Olympic teams. She has decided to hang it up though and move on from the sport. And that's where we started our conversation. Why now? 2018, definitely, it's kind of a weird time. I mean, there wasn't like any major teams to make this year, although I did go to NACAX, which was fun, except for I ran terrible. So that's a whole other story. Hmm. Um, but it was, you know, it was still fun to be a part of it and be in Toronto. But yeah, without, I mean, honestly, like, and I kind of alluded to this in um, a blog that I wrote for Saucony, but I just kind of... You know, earlier this year, I was thinking ahead. There's a lot of people thinking ahead, you know, Doha next year. As an athlete, a high-level athlete, you're always thinking about the next big team. And, like, I just realized I didn't want to go there. Like, I'm like, I, I don't want to go to Doha. Mm -hmm. um, and even I'm like, okay, well, that's no big deal. What about the Olympics coming up? And, you know, I am so fortunate to already be a two-time Olympian and – there's a lot of people who have even been many more time Olympian than that. But I just knew that based on my two, you know, my two experiences, the buildup, everything that goes into it, you know, the physical and emotional investment, um, not only for me, but my support people, my coach and my husband, I just, I knew that I wasn't going to be taking us all through that again. Um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I just didn't have that fire for it. And I know that making teams, I mean, there's no guarantees. And some athletes, they work their whole professional career and, you know, don't make the teams that they want or don't make that dream team or maybe don't even make any teams. But I think the thing that we all have in common is that it's, a, it's the goal. You know, we have the desire and that's what we're working toward. And especially for me, having been on teams before, um, it's really like the only logical goals, at least, to aim to be making those teams, to aim to be making world team and the Olympic team. And so I personally just, I knew in my heart, like I didn't feel that I could continue as a professional athlete, you know, representing Saucony, they're investing me um, I don't feel like I have any integrity to continue if I, in my heart, I'm not even going to be trying to make those teams. Like it just doesn't make sense. Um, it can't be my job anymore. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I felt personally. And I, I mean, I don't necessarily think that's true for everyone. Um, but for me, it just didn't make sense. Like those should be my goals. And if they're not, then I need to reevaluate. And that's what I did. That's when I kind of realized, you know, it's time. You know, you know, to borrow um, from a cliche, I guess, uh, it, it sounds like, like you're saying that, that you lost your fire, um, that, that you just couldn't, you know, 
the motivation may not have have been there anymore and i think that that every single runner goes through a stage of, of burnout or you know losing that fire whatever you want to call it um but you know the key is is to finding some sort of rebound it, you know did this time feel different than than some of those other times that, that you felt like uh you know should i continue or sh- should i not continue um i mean i i guess so in terms of the fact that this time i'm retiring and the other times i didn't <laughs> but um you know i'm in this position that I never really got injured. I mean, of course, I had, like, things pop up here and there, but I was never sidelined for more than, like, in terms of sidelined not running for more than, like, a week in my entire career. Of course, like, there was sometimes just very light running or jogging, but, like, in terms of completely off my feet, you know, maybe a week. Um, And so I... I never had like a long break from running. Never. Hmm. I would take, you know, maybe two weeks off, three weeks at the end of the season and then get back into it. Um, Nothing ever prevented me from training. And I'm not saying I wanted injuries, but I do think sometimes they're a blessing in disguise and um, I never had to deal with them really in a serious way. So it's been running and training has been very consistent for like most of my life that I can, you know, have memories of. And, um, I just, I, I don't know. I just was, I'm just ready to do, not do this anymore. And I love running and I love training, but like, I don't need to collect more teams. Um, I think especially like, I, I don't necessarily feel like I, I probably could still maybe run a faster PB in my life. I think, you know, I was had I, I didn't have my best year this past year, but I do think my fitness was as good as it's been. I just didn't, you know, put it together in the race opportunities that I had. Um, but even if I lowered my PB, I'm just at the point where I'm like, well, what is how is that different? How will that change my life going forward? I'm not going to be more fulfilled by having a one or two second faster PB um, more than I am with my current PB. There's just I mean, I didn't, I don't, I just didn't feel that I had like a ton of things keeping, keeping me in it. I don't even remember what your question was. <laughs> um, I think what, what is, what was the difference? Why this time? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I just, it's, it's hard to explain, but I'm ready and, uh, I feel fortunate that I can get to this point healthy and just deciding it, you know, it wasn't decided for me. Um, my coach would have been happy to continue coaching me. I mean, Sokhnia, from my understanding, would have been happy to have me continue. Um, I have training partners. Nothing's forcing me away, except I just know that, like, my heart's not in it the way it has been. And I'm ready to be done, so... It's hard to describe. I, you know, I guess it's been a little over a week now since since that blog post came out, and I would highly suggest it to to anyone to go and seek that out um, and read it to to gain some more perspective there. No doubt, you've you've probably gone on a couple runs since then. You've definitely lived, you know, a regular life now. Is is it, does it feel a little bit different now? You know, does it feel like there's there's not as much pressure uh, involved with going for a run? Um, I mean, certainly I'm not officially retired. Like I'll be, I'm closing out this year, but I definitely don't have the pressure to like be ready for next year. Like this long-term thinking that really drives athletes that is totally gone. Um, because I'm, I'm not going to be doing this next year. And I think that where I notice it the most is I still go on runs and run some workouts with my teammates. Like I'm supporting them getting fit. I want to, I don't, you know, I want to still be fit. I'm not doing as much as they are, but just the discussions about 
you know, the future and planning ahead and races and, you know, I don't, I don't have that anymore. I don't even relate to it. Really. That was, that, that's a, that was kind of a quick change for me. So I don't, I'm happy to just do whatever they're doing. I don't need to have a plan of my own. I can be extremely flexible. I can take an extra day off here or there if I just want to, you know, there's no reason why I have to grind through if, you know, I'm tired that day or for whatever reason. So training is just a lot more of only the fun stuff and none of the grind kind of. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, some of your teammates because they have had, you know, some of them have had such a spectacular year. I mean, Shannon Osika uh, really, really comes to mind there. Um, you know, perhaps you can talk about your team for for a little bit because I don't, I feel like um, that team is one that is kind of flown under under the radar, at least up here in Canada. But uh, again, Shannon Osika, I feel like she's an honorary Canadian. I've seen her race so many times, you know, <laughs> in, in Southern Ontario. Yeah, I mean, when I... Um... The past few years, our the training group was True Blue Elite. It was um, or has been Amanda Eccleson, Shannon Osika, Becca Addison, and myself. And it's changing a little bit now. Um, Jamie Phelan's with us. Jamie Morrissey's with us, and Becca Addison has recently moved on. So it's definitely evolving. But for me, it was um, Amanda, Shannon, Becca, and myself really is the the key players. And and um, you know, it, I didn't always have them. Like I'm, you know, a few years older even than Amanda, who's the next oldest. And, uh, it's been great to have their company. You know, Amanda, she was fourth by hair to make the 2016 Olympics, um, for the U S like an an incredible team. Her PB is better than mine. 403 point something lower than nine. Um, Shannon's, you know, just that she just hasn't put that PV on paper yet, but she's every bit as good. Um, and it's just, I think like their, their company and camaraderie and workouts has really is a huge part of why I think I even continued this long, um, because it was lonely at first. I've always had, um, my coach, Mike McGuire, just very, you know, uh, committed and always investing in me but having the teammates has been huge and also their success like is a testament to his coaching like in uh in 2016 amanda and i both ran 403 like how many coaches have two 403 athletes at one time Hmm, yeah the same year how many like not many like we really asked ourselves how many and yeah, we fly under the radar, I think. And I think Mike also flies under the radar. He just doesn't draw attention to ourself himself and we don't really draw attention to ourselves either. It doesn't matter. It's not necessarily, you know, how we are. That's fine. It doesn't, it, it, that makes no difference, um, on the track. Right. So they have been great. I, uh, I've loved training with them. They definitely made me better. I have to say that it was pretty tough the first time they each beat me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, it definitely made all of us better and we are very good friends. So it's, uh, it's been fun. You know, you mentioned how, how one of your teammates has, has a better PB than you. Um, but I would, I would counter that with, you know, you had this, this great consistency throughout your career. Um, you know, you were able to, to knock out really good races time after time. And I think you spoke to that a little bit with, um, you know, the fact that you haven't really had any serious injuries. I would say another thing that would define a Nicole Safuentes race would be, you know, your, your race strategy, that's always something, something that, that caught my eye. Whenever I saw you race, you seem to be, you know, in the, you know, putting yourself in that right place so that you could finish well. Um, is is that something that you see in your own racing? And if it is, how did you develop that? Because I really feel that, that you were one of the best, if not the best in Canada. Wow. I mean, thank you. I have definitely never seen myself like that. Um, and I, I mean, that's probably me being hard on myself and, uh, but I've never thought of myself as like a great kicker. I mean, when I had a great kick, those were my very best races, but I felt that they were not super common. Um, I would, 
have considered my style is definitely a front runner. I was, I, I would always take the risk to make the, the pace fast enough just so I could advance always. Um, for me, that was a no brainer. I was never going to, I mean, the one time that I didn't do that, I was, <laughs> went home after the first round. So, um, you know, I, I considered myself a front runner. I always care. I always wanted to just see how fast I could go on the day. That really was always like what I wanted the most and what was my motivation. And I know even from my own training partners, like, um, Amanda and I always, you know, debate about it because she just wants to be the first one across the line. And like everyone does. Right. But like, I just want to see how fast I can go. I would have rather got a PB and got second, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just, that was just what motivated me. So I, I, I would call myself a front runner. Um, but I, I never necessarily thought of myself as like person who puts herself in a great position to finish well I'd be like usually I was toast because I went out too hard (laughs) well see that's that's I guess the the whole um when people say strategic runner now I guess that that's what they mean they they mean the the sit and kick you know the the tactical race that's what they determine it but perhaps more of what I meant was you know just you know maybe whether it was controlling the pace or, you know, controlling your, your own pace and, and putting yourself in a position where, you know, you knew you could finish well at the end of it. I, I don't know. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And, um, I, yeah, I agree with that kind of, but I still feel like, I still feel like something I was working on to the very last race of mine. I mean, the very last one, even like this road mile I did last weekend, I felt something that I was always working on is was measuring my effort so that I, I would have a good finish because I felt that so often uh, I didn't have quite enough to get to the line with um, with the, you know, with a good kick. So um, it's definitely something I always strived for, but I, I don't I don't feel like that I ever mastered it. That's for sure. Well, you, you know, you, you talked about, you know, all that you've learned and stuff, but uh, you you also have some, some coaching experience as well, too. And by, by now, I'm sure you have just a, a ton of really great knowledge to, to pass along. Is that is that something that you are still interested in pursuing in your retirement, you know, maybe continuing with some coaching? Yeah, definitely. I am. Um... I'm definitely volu- continuing to volunteer with the University of Michigan. Um, I enjoy it, but I also learned so it's, it's just an incredible opportunity to be a volunteer coach for my personal coach. I just have learned, it's crazy how much I I've learned just when I started coaching, like as his volunteer versus being his athlete, it, I, it opened my eyes to see, you know, a whole new perspective and, um, and appreciate like that. Like it made me appreciate the way I respect, honestly, the way that I run more even when I died at the end because I went out too hard. Because when I see girls do that, I'm like, well, at least she has guts and the the will to to see how hard she can go, you know? So it allowed me to kind of respect and appreciate a little bit more of what I would have not always liked in myself. Um, but yeah, I've learned, I learned a lot from Mike and I learned a lot from the girls. I also have some personal clients now, which I really enjoy working with. Um, it's it's obviously a huge range of abilities with personal clients, but everyone who's willing to hire you and pay hard-earned money for a coach is someone who's motivated to improve and motivated to reach their potential, and that is the most fun type of person to work with. It's so rewarding. Um, so I really enjoy it. I intend to take on more personal clients you know, in the new year and uh see see how i can do with that it's really it's it's really i like it a lot very interesting no one's the same you know it's always interesting love it yeah for sure you mentioned um you know university of michigan which of course was your alma mater one thing that i've noticed about people who have gone to michigan uh you know whether it be talking to to nathan brennan or ben flanagan or, or you know jamie or even even scott mcdonald when whenever i chat with him 
everyone seems to just have this really really special attachment to the university and and yourself i would say probably included in that too and in, in the fact that you uh, you know you still live in michigan and i remember when when jamie won that 1500 uh ncaa championship uh you know you you, you just seem through through the roof what 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 is it about that university that makes it so special well i don't know i mean it's a great place. It's a great school. They, you know, it's a great program. The coaches care about the athletes, at least my coach, obviously he stayed with me for way beyond my collegiate career. Um, I can't, I don't know what, I don't know the experience that Scott McDonald has, but I know he loves Michigan and we have a good connection over it. Um, uh, I mean, there's got to be people who come to Michigan who don't have a good experience, but I don't know about them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's a great it's a great school, good academics, good athletics. They treat you well, even as an alum. Like, we're welcome, you know, to train, and uh, they've – it's just it's – it's felt like home. I don't uh, – gosh, I don't – it's – I don't know how to explain it. I mean – it was the right choice for me. It was the right fit. Very happy there. I mean, I met my husband. I'm still with my coach. Uh, there's training partners came up, came f- for me from the program. Um, I've always felt welcome and at home here. And it's, it's a, it's been probably one of the better decisions I ever made in my life coming here. You know, was was such a good career to to draw from. What are what are the moments that that you're going to carry forward with with you and and that you're going to remember forever? Um, the, one of one of the I would have to say there's two standout moments for me, um, that I may be most proud of personally, and that it would be when I ran. Um, 404 to qualify to to get the Olympic standard in 2012. I ran 404 maybe about a week before the 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 window of of running the standard was over. I had tried several times and a race came up at the very last minute. Um, it was an all comers meet and I just flew to San Diego by myself and like I've always wondered how uh, field event athletes can stand on the line knowing it's their third try and having missed the first two and actually get it done. I'm like, how could you do it? But, but that's essentially what I did. And I went to the line and like, it was perfectly set up race, but it was just so low key. And I just knew that this was the only chance left. Mm -hmm. And you know, just the, the ability to, to get it done when it matters is something that I am very proud of. Um, so that for me, that's, that was a highlight. Obviously then I made it to the Olympics and that was huge. Um, and then I would say the other one that kind of compares in my mind is at the world championships indoor when I, uh, won a bronze medal, but I actually, when the race was over, I was fourth and I knew that, but, I, um, I broke the Canadian record in that race and that had been my goal, um, to try to break the Canadian record. And I actually led a little bit at the start to try to get the pace going. But when I crossed the line, um, I wasn't even sure if I had necessarily broken the Canadian record. I knew I was fourth. I later got upgraded due to disqualification, but I just knew that like I ran my absolute best possible race that day in that final and that's the only world final I ever made but I came out of it with a Canadian record and uh, a medal and just you know this sense of like that was the very best I had and I actually got it out of myself when it mattered and to me that's that's um what I'm most proud of for sure yeah I mean I, th- I think I think given all that you've said about, you know, getting the most of your races and stuff, you know, that, that, uh, 
that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, just just as we're we're starting to wrap things up, uh, when another Michigan alumni uh, decided to retire this year, Nate Brennan retired. He got um, quite a bit of press for it because he said that he wanted to take a shot at the marathon. And what I thought was was kind of clever was um, he said he 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 didn't want to do anything special, just the two eighteen, which at the time was. <laughs> probably the best time wow, in the country <laughs> yeah um that would be tough <laughs> well now i mean the best time in the country is 209 that was very exciting last weekend yeah oh very very that was that was an experience it was very much an experience being there and, and watching him cross the line oh man um yeah i i, I wouldn't think i mean we've had a discussion about the five thousand before and, and that being you know like a long race to you it, i'm not thinking that there's a, there's a marathon in your future i don't think so i've definitely considered it seriously being a spectator at major marathons and like just how exciting it is and the energy i mean that energy like the energy of a big event is very special um and so, you know, the thought of like being part of it is very alluring, but I could not put in the preparation involved <laughs> <laughs> to be part of that energy. I, I'm not even like, I mean, I feel like I could get through the 26.2 on the day, probably, but, mm-hmm. but what about everything that goes into being able to do that well? That's the part that I can, no, nope, can't do it. <laughs> The training is just unreal. Like, and I'm not made for that. Well, you could always pull a Kevin Sullivan who, you know, just right. you know, decided yes. to go for a run and finish just a marathon. Get her done. The <laughs> yeah, I was there when he did that. I was in Hawaii when he did that. Um, I saw him come through to what, a 240, 241, something like that? Yeah, something. Like, was he even winded? Yeah, I mean, he was tired, but he still looked good finishing. <laughs> And it's a hard course, and it's humid, and it's very hilly. Um, we were all quite impressed. It was fun. Oh, it's fun when he did that. But um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily intend to do that. I don't need to. I mean, I think the thing that's most alluring to me about the marathon is being part of like, you know, an elite field in a big event where there's like a lot of energy there, and that is never going to happen. <laughs> that's fair enough that's fair enough well you you talked about uh you know moving forward as a coach um and you know maybe maybe marathons there we we don't know we don't know but what no, what what not. Is... Pretty, probably not really <laughs> probably not what what is your future looking like now have, have you thought about it or you know not that much i um I know like my husband and I are happy in where we live and he has a great job that is going to allow me to have a transition where I don't have to rush to figure out what I'm going to do. And after so many years of always thinking ahead and planning ahead and just, you know, blocking off certain dates on my calendars or not certain dates, but like seven months of the year, you know, of I'm busy or resting, um, I just, I'm looking forward to maybe not having to figure it out all yet. I'm not putting pressure on myself to do it. And yeah, there's some uncertainty there. And uncertainty obviously can lead to some anxiety, but I'm, that's fine. That's fine. I'll figure it out. I'll sort it out. I've got a good support network. I've got a good family, wonderful husband, I don't know where where, where life's going to take me yet, but um, but I'll fi- I'll figure it out when I need to. Well, you know what? It sounds like you have uh, you have a lot of the important stuff already figured out. So uh, you know, I, I think that that you're in in pretty good hands at this point. Wow, what a career you've had! Um, and it was a real honor to to talk to you and and you know maybe maybe take a look back and and see where you're coming from and and uh, you know. Perhaps from that, we, we can see where you're going and, and, you know, how you got here as well, too. You know, thanks. Thanks a lot for, for taking some time to be on the show this week. No problem. Thanks for having me. It was fun. For more stories of how Nicole Safuente has really affected people's lives and careers, 
Let's go back to two more of her True Blue Elite teammates, Becca Addison and Amanda Eccleson. My name is Becca, and I can't thank Nicole enough for the impact she had on my running career, especially after I graduated from college and we became training partners. She taught me so much as a training partner because she was a great example of someone that listened to her body and learned from her experiences and freely shared these lessons with others so that they could succeed. Her work ethic and ability to push through pain was almost unmatched. She also was so encouraging and always helping me work through my daily dramas by talking it out and helping me problem solve. One time I was in tears during fall training at Radrick and she helped calm me down and alter the workout. A more enjoyable memory is our training trip with Shannon this past spring. She invited us to her family's home in Arizona and for over a week we got to hang out and train in the sunshine. We were taken aback one day by a tough and unexpected thousands workout, expecting something e- something easier since we were just jumping back into things, but she helped us get through it. We then recovered with the sunset walk, her absolute favorite thing to do, and by eating popcorn and ice bathing in a kiddie pool in the backyard. I'll cherish that trip and our run spent discussing the latest cookie recipe we had tried and all my other Nicole memories forever. Nicole has been a constant part of my running career these past six years. She's been my training partner that whole time. And over the years, she's gone from being a mentor to a really good friend. And I've really loved having her around. She brings just such a good, hard work attitude to practice that just it makes it a lot of fun and it's really been enjoyable working and going after the same goals together. I've always really admired how she races as well. She's great at throwing herself out there and just pushing as hard as she can and caring way more about the effort than the time, and I really respect that. Nicole's even the reason we have a professional group at all. It essentially grew up around her because she was training with Mike for years before any of us graduated and became a part of it. So it's really exciting to see what her legacy has been able to leave, and now there's been multiple professional runners staying and training at Michigan. I've also been lucky enough to assistant coach with her this past three years at Michigan, and it's been so much fun working together and and seeing how the girls progress under us. And it's had some of my best memories of just been us chatting and about the team and hanging out at practice together. I'm really excited for this next path in her life wherever she chooses to go, and I definitely can't thank her enough for everything she's done for my career to this point. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to our guests this week, both Kinsey and Nicole, as well as to Jamie, Jamie, and Becca for their contributions, and of course, to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, you can do so at The Terminal Mile. We're on Instagram and Twitter with that handle. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and of course, tracky.ca. Thanks to you for listening. This has been The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. (laughs) 